and welcome to Labors in the Harvest with Kevin Folger. This podcast is a weekly conversation about the gospel and the work that God is doing through those who labor for him. Kevin Folger, your host, is a man with over four decades of ministry experience. For 41 years, he served on the pastoral staff of Cleveland Baptist Church in Cleveland, Ohio. He currently serves as a North America Director of Spiritual Leadership Asia, a ministry that assists those endeavoring to preach the gospel and plant Baptist churches in the 1040 window with a particular focus on Asia. Now here's Kevin with this week's Labors in the Harvest podcast. Kevin Folger, and we want to welcome you back to this edition of Labors in the Harvest. And uh, as you know, these are weekly conversations that I have with friends and people that I meet along life's way who are laboring for the Lord in his harvest. And today it's a great joy for me to introduce to you a friend that's been a friend for a long time. He's evangelist Dave Young. And uh, Dave and I met many, many years ago, I think when I was just early in my pastorate here at the Cleveland Baptist Church. And Dave was really young in the ministry as well as an evangelist, and uh, so God brought our hearts and lives together, and he's been one of the favorites here at the Cleveland Baptist Church. Dave, welcome in to uh, Labors in the Harvest today. It's good to be here, and well, uh, good to be back at Cleveland Baptist, too. Well, that's a joy. And it's it feels all... weird with you not being in the pulpit. <laughs> I know, I understand. Uh, everything has changes to it, a little it nuances, does, it doesn't does, it? It does, it yeah, does. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, again, uh, part of my thought in this podcast, Brother Dave, is just, again, to talk to people about their life and the journey that God's brought them on. And uh, I think you've got a very interesting story. Uh, you weren't raised in a, a pastor's home. Uh, you weren't raised in a big city or, I think, in even a large church. And um, God just did a work in your life. And so uh, can you just talk, us, talk to me a little bit about um, your salvation and, and the early days of your call to ministry? Sure. I got saved uh, as a teenager. I was 15. Mom and dad were believers as far as my dad came to know Christ when I was a kindergartner. We were in a tiny church, and that church split shortly after my dad got saved. And as a result of that, I, I think I would have gotten saved younger, probably. But due to that church split, we were in and out and kind of hit and miss situation. But uh, mom and dad got very serious uh, about some spiritual things in a revival meeting, and that changed our family. Mm -hmm. That resulted in two or three years later in me coming to know Christ because a man that knew of them, knew of our church, actually led me to Christ. And so I was 15, I was in a public high school. I, uh, he led me to Christ at a service station, uh, began witnessing to me at a service station where I was working, took me to church with him on a Sunday night. And after that service is when I, in, in his car, actually trusted Christ. And I guess it was um, probably six months later, and maybe all during those six months that my heart had always been I was going to go to the medical field. I was going to study medicine. I was diligent to work through calculus and trigonometry and all of that stuff, preparing to go to medical school. And then after I came to know Christ, my heart started changing towards ministry. And I didn't know anything about it. My, my father's a farmer, factory worker. We were uh, the church of 60 on Sunday morning. And I, I just I had all kinds of reasons why there's no way. There's no way I could do this. But it was in my heart, and I kept thinking about it. The verse that later the Lord used when I was looking back was when Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, uh, Uzziah dies. The Bible says that Isaiah, in the year that King Uzziah died, he saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up. And then he hears this conversation. It's a unique chapter. Mm -hmm. 
He hears the conversation. God is talking to himself, mm-hmm. probably the Trinity, the God. Sure. And the question is, who, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Whom shall I send? And Isaiah responds with, here am I, Lord, send me. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if so much that was a divine calling or a, a definite volunteering. And I think in my life, there was both of those is why that passage means I know sure. God is looking for workers. Sure. And, and I know God looking back at it, God put that in my heart, the desire. Mm-hmm. And there was just a desire there. You know what? I'd, I'd, God, I'd serve you if you want me to. But I also know there was a Sunday night in which I volunteered when I finally said, God, I'm in and I'm willing and I'm all yours and I'm going to prepare for ministry if that's what you want. Sure. And so that's really where it all started. And uh, the, the Isaiah chapter 6 text was one of them. The passage in 1 Timothy where if a man desires the office that's of a bishop, uh, I for a long time struggled with the call versus the, you know, am I really called or am I just wanting to do this? Mm-hmm. But the Word of God taught me that a call is a desire and that, yes, God does definitely put that desire. There's a definite sense in which I know God called me to do this. I'm following the sure. Lord. Yeah. But it did start with the volunteering of saying, Lord, here I am. If that's what you want, I'll do it. Yeah, yeah it's interesting because, um, you know, I think about even my own life and, you know, I, I think people saw in me um, God's call and sure. direction before I even saw it. You know, I remember when... Um, I shared the story early in our podcast series about Pastor Thompson, the form founding pastor of this church, took me aside and we were making a call and he looked at me and said, I, I believe God sent you here for me to mentor, to bring, be my successor. Well, that was the furthest thing from my mind. Hmm. Oh yeah, I could pastor a church at some point, but not this church. Sure, you know, sure. I, I could never envision myself pastoring this church, Cleveland Baptist Church. Uh, you know, To me, he was larger in life. This mm-hmm. church was larger than life and it was way beyond my ability. But sometimes I think people see things in us before we ever see it. But then there is the desire. I mean, I always had a desire to pastor yeah. or to be in ministry. At you know, at least when I after I, I completely surrendered. That was part of it. Mm-hmm. So was there something in that Sunday night service that prompted it, or was just a, you think a culmination of events? You know, I think it was a culmination uh, in the early days. Anyway, um, uh, I was surrounded by preaching, mm-hmm. and one of the things, Brother Arwood, is the name of the man that led me to Christ. And early in my a new Christianity, he discipled me. Mm-hmm. So he didn't take for granted that although I'd been around church a lot, that I knew everything. Mm-hmm. He walked me through who is God and how mm-hmm. to walk with God and how to have devotions and how to have a prayer life. And even insisted I take off Tuesday nights from work to go soul winning with the church. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, he taught me how to go soul winning. But at the same time, he took me to hear what he called in those days that any preacher that he deemed was, uh, you need to hear this guy. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it was a big name. Mm-hmm. But I remember hearing uh, Harold Seitler. Mm-hmm. You know, that meant nothing to me at the time, but he took me, you got to hear Harold Seitler and a Lee Robertson. Mm-hmm. And I heard, you know, some preachers, I don't even remember their names, but he would take me anytime there was a preacher. And of course, in East Tennessee, where I grew up, there were churches everywhere and guest preachers all the time. So uh, I would go and hear preaching and and I would hear that and it, it, it kind of increased my appetite. Mm-hmm. I would love to do this. I would love to do this. I would love to do this, you know, and... Mm-hmm. And, but I do remember the service, it was a Sunday night service in which Brother Arwood was actually speaking on Romans 12. And I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. And that's the night that I know for sure that I surrendered and said, okay, God, I'm willing. Mm. I, 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 you know, sometimes I do the youth conference things. And one of the things we do in our movement is we will encourage young men to surrender to the ministry. Mm-hmm. 
And I appreciate the fact that Brother Arwood took a different approach. He really wanted me to surrender to God. Sure. Yeah. And I think if he had pushed me to surrender to ministry first, I probably never would have. Because uh, there's no way I can do ministry. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a public school kid. I, I just got saved. Yeah. But by challenging me to surrender to God, the total surrender to God then opened the door for God to begin doing a work. There was no pressure. I didn't feel like, yeah. oh my goodness, I have to be a preacher boy. Mm -hmm. I have to be a pastor. It was, no, I'm just God's. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a great move of wisdom on his part. I would have run if he had pushed me to surrender to ministry, but he pushed me to surrender to God. It's interesting. My dad, when he was living, of course, was a youth pastor here for years. And uh, in his heyday, I mean, in, in the heyday of his, his ministry, he'd have 250 kids in his youth department. You know? Oh, my God. And it was just, it was amazing. I mean, that would be junior high, you know, maybe yeah, through college sure. age. But, I mean, it was just a, a, a ton of kids. And, I mean, almost every Sunday he'd quote that Romans 12, 1 and 2. I mean, that was just... That was his I verse. I mean, it was, it was oh, his verse. And he'd great. just hammer that home and said, look, nothing... You're not going to do anything for God until you completely surrender to him, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I, I just I appreciate that very, very much. So um, that happened, and uh, then um, how did that progression go from there? Okay, you surrendered. Then did you give, uh, start preaching right away? Or yeah, what? actually I did in an unusual way. The night I surrendered, told God, I'm all in. Mm -hmm. um, Brother Arwood came off the platform and asked me what I had prayed about. Mm -hmm. And I told him, I said, I... I actually just surrendered everything to God, and I said, I think maybe God wants me to be a preacher. Mm -hmm. I did tell him that yeah. that night. And he said, and, and this was very startling, he said, well, there's only one way to know if you're called to be a preacher, and that's to do it. <laughs> so he said, next Sunday night, we'll find out. <laughs> so he didn't give me a chance to back out. He went up on the platform and told the crowd, hey, next Sunday night, he was a lay preacher, mm -hmm. so I was in his church. Mm -hmm. And he said, next Sunday night, we'll find out. Dave Young thinks God may be calling him to preach, so come back next Sunday night and let's see. <laughs> and there was no pressure there I mean, at all, but he helped me that entire week to put together a sermon, showed me how to do an outline, how to write it out, how to prepare it. I was a junior in high school. And, well, I tell the story. That was the beginning. So I, I graduated from Bible college, you know, and, and I come here, coming back home. It was just intimidating in and of itself, okay? Because oh, you know, the Bible says, you know, prophet's not without honor except among his own people. <laughs> so anyway, I'm, I'm coming home. And so the, the, I got ordained. I got out of college. And immediately, Pastor Thompson said, well, we're going to ordain you. And he had a son. And we're ordaining both of you guys the same night. So we got ordained on a Friday night. He said... And I want you, Kevin, you're preaching Sunday night. Well, I had never stood before this congregation. I preached in junior church. I preached in nursing homes. I preached oh, other places. Soul. But I never stood before my home church to preach. Yeah. So I did. And I preached from John 14. I'm a Bible college graduate. I've, you know, I've already graduated. I'm telling you, 15 minutes was all I could, I could do. And it was stammering and stuttering and falling all over myself. And I walked away so discouraged, you know. And I thought, I don't know how I'm ever going to do this. But I still had a heart to do it. Mm -hmm. So... My sister, you know, and of course, as progress as time progresses, you know, 15 minutes is no big deal now. I mean, I can sure, I can go at 35, sure. 40, and and half do a halfway decent job, I think, because I've been doing it long enough. Mm -hmm. So my sister, when she was teaching English for us, she would take the old cassette of my first sermon and she'd play for her speech classes, <laughs> and she'd say, "Who do you think that is?" And of course, nobody had a clue. And she said, "That was my brother." And she said, "If he can do it." You can do it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Talking about putting you in your place, you know. Nothing like your sister working that's, for you. That's, that's a good illustration, uh, yeah, though. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Because yeah, is. God, is God is able to use us. You know, of course, my son is the pastor here now. Pete, as a, as a kid, I mean, I, I think everybody just mm -hmm. envisioned him. Not that he was a perfect kid, but, you know, he just had this knack for 
communication. And there was an old man in this church, his name was Mr. Lawson. Mr. Lawson had just taken a liking to Pete, and he, Denise and I were working with senior citizens at that point, and he took, would take Pete and, and uh, some of the other, and, and I think Andy, and he would watch them sometimes as Denise and I were out making yeah. calls. And he would say to me, he said, yeah, Peter, he's going to be a preacher. He said, he's going to be a great preacher. And he would, he just get a thrill of Pete, get his little Bible out, you know, and he preached, you know, he's probably He could six, see it. Yeah, he could see it. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm sure that God now has allowed Brother Lawson up in heaven, who's been dead yeah. with the Lord probably 30 years now, to look down and say, there he is, and he's doing it, you know. And he called it. Yeah, yeah he, he could see it. So I think yeah. there are people that see it. You know, it. Spurgeon says in his lectures to my students, he has a lecture in there about the call to preach. Mm-hmm. And he does say four things are necessary to, to recognize a mm-hmm. call. And that first one is the one I mentioned earlier, that desire. Yeah, right. You have a desire. Yeah. But the last one is that godly people will recognize yeah. your call. Yeah. And I think that's very, I, very true. I truly agree with that. There have been times when, you know, people have said, God wants me to plant a church. And I'm thinking to myself, uh, I don't think that's probably going to happen, you know. Yeah. And, and and sometimes they go out and try, you know. Sure, and, sure. And it, it yeah. some most... I mean, I, I'm sure I've been wrong on an occasion, but there have been times when I've been dead on, you know. It's just, yeah, just, absolutely. You just have a discerning spirit about that. So, yeah, For sure. Yeah. So then, uh, so you preach your first message. How'd it go? <laughs> <laughs> Our church ran 60 on Sunday morning. We had about 120 come that Wow. <laughs> and uh, just because of the novelty yeah. of it. But I think I preached 20 minutes. Uh-huh. I don't remember anything yeah. about the sermon. Yeah. I think did I they record it? I, I think it is somewhere. <laughs> so My I'm mom listening. has a recording <laughs> that uh, we've buried somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, that was a beginning, mm-hmm. and the Lord just opened doors. In the mountains where I grew up, there are churches everywhere. Sure. And it was a novel idea that here's a young high school kid from our local public school right. who preaches. Mm-hmm. So I started preaching every Sunday. Yeah. And uh, Brother Arwood even helped me get a local radio station to give me 30 minutes every Sunday morning. Yeah. And he, it became too much. So he would preach one Sunday, 30 minutes, and I would do. So okay. I had two weeks to prepare a 30-minute wow. sermon. Okay. And I remember we paid a dollar a minute. Wow. So it was 30 minutes a week to have the radio broadcast. Yeah. Yeah. And that was just, it forced me to study, forced sure. me to prepare sermons. Yeah. Preached my first revival then mm-hmm. uh, in a little tiny church um, that was between my junior and senior year. Mm-hmm. And then several times in my senior year, I preached what they called youth revivals. They're very popular in the mountains. Yeah. Yeah. And I studied it a lot. Well, I know you're familiar with Scott Pauley. And, oh, of course. And, and Brother Scott, he's got a similar testimony, you know, of course, just early on and being mm-hmm. able to do meetings. Sure. And even as a teenager, you know, being mm-hmm. called on and conduct uh, revival meetings and so it's it's interesting that God gives people that ability early in their life some have perhaps a more natural gift where others of us we have to perhaps work harder to mm-hmm. develop it but I, I just want folks to be encouraged by that because you know the truth of the matter is some people are just naturally gifted and others again it's more of a, mm-hmm. a work that has to be developed but sure. again the desire is there and we just that, that's always always my heart I'll work whatever I have to do to make this, you know, to work. So, Absolutely. Okay, so um, we're going to just kind of um, move on here for just a minute, and we only got a couple minutes in this particular episode. We'll carry this over to the next uh, episode. But I want you to talk to me about the call to evangelism, because that's what you are. You're an evangelist, yes, Chris. Okay. Yes. So how did yeah, that work for you? Uh, you know, it was something I loved, because mm-hmm. uh, we had revivals all the time in the mountain churches, mm-hmm. and I loved evangelists. Mm-hmm. I, I grew under evangelists. I made spiritual decisions under evangelists. And I knew God had called me to preach. And then someone gave me, this This sounds so weird now, but as a high school kid, someone gave me a book about Billy Graham. Mm. And and I don't know that I remember that much about the book, but I remember the photos. Mm. There was a, a, a ton of photos. And one of the photos that captured my attention was the photo of his Seoul, Korea 
mm, campaign. Yeah. There was a million people wow. standing on the runway, and it was the largest gathering ever in history, mm. as best we can tell. A million wow. people assembled to hear the gospel. Uh, the other evangelist that interpreted his sermon was Billy Kim, mm. and um, those. Uh, it was just it was a fascinating story to me. Well, it piqued my interest. And knowing all the evangelists I knew around the area, most of them were country evangelists. They would preach a revival and sure. and maybe you know from ten miles away or fifty miles away. Mm-hmm. But then I you know I got to read about a Billy Graham who traveled the world to preach the gospel, mm-hmm. and it just piqued my interest. So when I I was still planning to go to Wake Forest University and study pre med, mm-hmm. even though I was thinking ministry, I did that's what I'd always planned to do. Right. Brother Arwood said no, you should go to Bible college. So when he got me a catalog. I looked through the catalog, and there were four options. It was pastoring, youth pastoring, missions, or evangelism. And I read the pastoring one, and I thought, man, that's too hard. I don't want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) And then I read the youth pastoring, and that really piqued, you know, because I I was youth myself. Missions piqued my interest, but the one that just grabbed my heart was the the major called evangelism. And I actually signed up for it on a whim because I liked it. Mm-hmm. I knew God had called me to ministry. That was the one that piqued my interest. But actually it was two years after being in the evangelism major that I spent a summer at a camp in Tennessee. And one night a preacher was preaching. My thing was, I can't. My dad's not a preacher. Nobody knows me. Who's gonna have Dave Young? Mm-hmm. There is no way I'm gonna, I could be an evangelist. Right. But the preacher preached that night from Hebrews 11 about there were very famous people in Hebrews 11, and then there's the final section about, and then there were others right. who served God just as much by faith, though we may not even know right. their names. Exactly. Yeah. And he said, you don't have to do great things. You have to do what God's called you to do. And if God wants you to do great things, he'll make that happen. And if he wants you just to be faithful in little things, he'll use you in yeah. that too. And it all matters to God. Sure. That was the first night where I knelt. They didn't give an invitation that night. Hmm. But I remember as everybody left the auditorium, I was in tears. Hmm. And, and nobody prayed with me. Nobody knew I was praying. Right. The auditorium emptied, and I knelt at a folding chair, metal chair, and just poured. That was the night that I said to God, okay, God, for some reason, I think you want me to be an evangelist. I have no idea, mm-hmm. but I'm all in. Well, amen. And that was the beginning. Well, that's great. Well, let's wrap it up right there for this, uh, this episode. Again, my guest is uh, Brother Dave Young. He's uh, been in evangelism since, what, 1994? 94. 94. I was going to say it was 1995. He became pastor here. We'll talk a little bit more about that in our next episode. But I want to thank our listeners for tuning in to this edition of Labors in the Harvest. And we hope that you'll come back and get the second part of Brother Young's testimony of being in the field of evangelism and as he labors for the Lord in the harvest. Thanks for listening. We hope that you've been encouraged by today's podcast. If you've been helped, please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Please feel free to leave us a comment and or a rating. If you'd like more information about Kevin Folger, please visit his website, kevinfolger.com. We invite you to join us next time with more conversations with Kevin and his guests as they tell their story of being laborers in the harvest. Mm-hmm.